sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It is not acceptable that when a woman goes to work or is in any kind of environment that she feels anything less than comfortable and safe. And this is an issue the entire country has got to work on. I want to protect grand jury testimony, protect classified information, but I want the public to see the underlying document. This has been a cloud over President Trump for two years. That cloud has been removed. It's not like you're summarizing something that's really complicated. Do you have sufficient evidence upon which to charge people with conspiracy, collusion, coordination, whatever you want to call it? I think a lot of Pelosi's poodles out there running scared of, uh, of the facts, but they're still trying to chase down witch hunts. Uh, th- there was no collusion. Get over that fact. Nobody should have wanted it to happen anyway, but it didn't happen. And yet for two years, they've been peddling this lie. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome. Welcome into the program. Thank you so much for being with us. Here in hour two, we're going to speak to Dan Kish. He is um, going to join us to talk about the fisherman's lawsuit in California, where they're actually suing to say that, you know, climate change is doing something horrible to them, but they're not doing anything to update their boats or their their equipment to reflect the new technologies that are out there that would enable them to actually have a positive impact on the environment. Uh, So this lawsuit It's really a fascinating story. Dan is a senior VP of policy for the American Energy Alliance, and he'll be with us uh, in in, uh, the next segment. So what I want to get to now is uh, Trey Gowdy saying that Nancy Pelosi will have to drop Schiff from the Intelligence Committee. Now, if you missed it, we had every Republican on the Intelligence Committee say that they've lost confidence in Schiff. Because of his statements and comments about the, the president and the fact that the intel community might say, because he's denying the results of the Mueller investigation, that they don't want to share information with him. And also, he's leaky. He shares stuff that he's told that should be classified and should be held close to the vest. And he's just, you know, always running around talking about what he knows. And so they don't have confidence in him any longer. And I think it's interesting because, um, you know, obviously Nancy Pelosi would never go against him unless it became politically expedient to do so, like if the intelligence community stopped sharing with him. So let's listen to this. It's number two. It's hard to get on the House Intelligence Committee, at least on the Republican side. Paul and Kevin don't pick members of the bomb-throwing caucus or the crazy caucus. I mean, you've got Elise Stefanik, who's a national security expert, Conaway, Mike Conaway, former chairman of ethics, Will Hurd, who was a CIA employee, Johnny Radcliffe, a U.S. attorney, terrorism expert, I mean, these are not members of the bomb-throwing caucus. And for them to say, Adam Schiff, we have lost confidence in your leadership, I'll tell you, I think what's going to happen next, Dana, is the intelligence community is going to say, you know what, Adam, you disregard the information that you're provided, you prejudge the outcome of investigations, you have the president not just indicted but in jail, we're going to stop sharing information with you if you are the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and you can't act in a reasonable way, we're going to stop sharing information with you, in which case Pelosi will have no choice but to Mm. replace Schiff. And look, the Mm. next in line is Jim Himes, who's every bit as progressive. He's just a lot more reasonable than Adam Schiff. Mm. And so 
it's not that Trey Gowdy or any other Republicans are advocating for a Republican to be in charge of the committee. The Republicans don't chart, uh, don't control the House any longer. The Democrats do. So obviously the House Intelligence Committee is going to be chaired by a Democrat. But it should be someone who has the confidence of everyone on the committee for their integrity, whether or not they agree on politics. Obviously, they won't. They're on opposite sides of the political aisle. I thought he made a great point about how people are really... Uh, it, it's one thing to say you don't trust the process and say that from day one. And then when the results come out, you say, see, I told you I didn't trust this process. But Schiff has been one of the primary individuals out there just beating the drum of, you know, Mueller is an honorable man. Mueller is liked by both sides of the political aisle. Mueller is to be respected. We need to protect him. We need to make sure that he can complete his investigation. We need to wait for his report to come out. And now that the report is out, he's like, we don't trust it. We don't believe it. Yeah, you know, ain't none of that true. He's starting to go down roads that were should be unthinkable for him in light of his past statements and comments. And so uh, it's interesting. We have to see what Nancy Pelosi will do. I want to also point everybody over to UrbanFamilyTalk.com and AFR.net. And you can find great, great information over there, including about the Marriage and Family Conference, which is coming up at the end of June. You can register there. So don't forget uh, to go on and and put in your registration so that you can experience the fantastic conference that's coming up in the month of June. And I'm not sure, like I honestly, I'm not sure, but I think that Miki Addison and I are putting on the parenting panel that we did last year and um, there will be handouts and wonderful uh, conversation there. And then we did a question and answer session during that as well. It was a really good panel. Um, and I always enjoy getting to do anything that I can with uh, the one Miki Addison. So um, now right now, I want to pivot over to how Venezuela uses universal health care as a political tool. Now, we talked last hour about how private property is being called racist, and this is an all-out assault. If you look at, remember we had Kira Davis on the program last week, or the week before, actually, and she was talking about this new CECAS kind of uh, created program for sex ed that introduces toddlers to very, very adult sexual content, and they want to demystify it and make it normative for toddlers and you know five-year-olds and eight-year-olds to know everything about all of these different sex acts so that parents can't mold their kids and shape them through the teaching and memorization of the Bible or simply passing on their own morals and values. So that's an assault on not just parenthood and the right to parent your child and pass on your views, but it's an assault on the children of this country. There's also an assault on the ideas that all of us kind of, it's, it's like, it's so basic to us that we know we can own property. You can own a car, you can own a house, you can own multiple houses, you can own businesses. It's so intrinsic to us that we don't even consider the idea that those things not only might be racist, but wrong and that the government should change and take those rights away from us. I liken it to when you look at what's going on overseas and uh, in Europe, where they don't have the right to own a firearm. They can own firearms, but under conditions set by the government. And if the government changes and says you can't own firearms unless these you know, 100 items are met, they just have to deal with it. Here in America, we own the firearms and we have a right to own them and carry them and use them. If the government decides to infringe on that, we can petition, not just the government, but we can go to court. We can fight all the way to the Supreme Court to ensure that our constitutional right is not infringed upon. Totally different scenario, right? 
I mean, just think about that for a second. In one location, you don't have the right to self-defense. In the other location, you not only have the right to defend yourself, but you have the right to own a myriad of different types of weapons. And there is no limit to how many of them you can own. And you can use them for hunting or, uh, you know, sport. You can be a sport shooter. Or you can just buy guns and own them to protect yourself. You don't have to own them. You don't have to buy them. And you don't have to subsidize other people owning and buying them. But if you want to, you can. And the government can't stop you unless you're a criminal. You see? So that it's a different mindset. What Democrats are attempting to do is bring that mindset from over there. And y'all know how much I love me some Europe. Y'all know I, I grew up in Germany. I enjoy Europe on a level that, you know, it's, it, I feel like it's a God's gift. You, when you get over there and see all the old buildings and you hear the people speaking the different languages and you see how much older their country is than ours and how it's just so different. It's like a wonderful, it makes you appreciate America even more. That's how I feel when I go there. I love it so much. But then when I get back, I really appreciate our country. It just, it's wonderful. Europe is a beautiful place, and it's so different from country to country to country. And the other thing that's really different about it is that each of those little state-sized countries, it's the whole country is the size of one of our states. So it brings you down. You, you know, in America, everything is so big in comparison. It draws you down into this smaller environment. And then you see the differences in these tiny little countries from region to region, and it's just amazing. That being said, I would much rather and wouldn't uh, America's American citizenship is so much better to have than, say, German citizenship or citizenship in Great Britain, because I have rights here that I do. You just don't have those rights in these other countries. Now, does that mean I couldn't live in Germany? Of course not. I grew up there. I could definitely live in Great Britain. Of course I could. But they are actually prosecuted and persecuted for thinking incorrectly for they in, in Great Britain, they'll actually bring charges against you. As a homeowner, as a person, if you keep a bat or a knife by the bed because your neighborhood or your little town or hamlet has been broken into a lot, there's a lot of robberies going on, and so you put a knife by the bed to defend yourself because you can't have a gun there, uh, then the robber comes in and he's beating the stuffing out of one of your kids and you pick the knife up from next to your bed when he comes towards you and you defend yourself. They can actually sue you and you have to take care of the robber that you stabbed because they say you premeditated defending yourself. Have you ever heard anything so ludicrous? This happens over and over and over again there. They also go after people for stuff that they say on Twitter. Woe be it for me to be a, a citizen of Great Britain. Things you say on Twitter that you express a disbelief in, you know, transgenderism is, is mental illness. You put that on Twitter, they can come to your house and arrest you and put you in jail for that. So that is why it is so important for us not to adopt their ideas. We can love the people there. We can enjoy their beautiful country and their castles and all that cool stuff they got going on. But we don't have to bring their ideas over here because their ideas don't work for us. We don't have a populace that's willing to bow down to things that nincompoops wrote on a piece of paper because they didn't like something someone put on Twitter. I don't know anybody who wants to do that. Even liberals who are into thought control don't want you mining their Facebook and their Twitter and then coming and prosecuting them for things that they, because they're just as offensive, if not more than anything you would find from someone who's on the right and, and, and is tweeting or, or, you know, expressing themselves. So here we are. We've got this universal health care thing that the Democrats are pushing. 
and Venezuela already has it. They're a full socialist country, and Maduro is actually using the universal health care to force people to vote for him so he can stay in power because he's a dictator, right? What do you get with socialism? Dictators. So here it is. It's number three. The New York Times reports that doctors were instructed to hoard medical supplies and give people minimal care in the lead up to the 2018 election. Why? So they could release the supplies days before the election to trick voters into thinking that Maduro had fixed the shortages. And when they did offer medical supplies, they made it clear that you wouldn't get any if you didn't vote for the government. Maduro seems to think that a shortage of medical supplies is in his interest, and so he's blocking supplies in a lot more obvious ways too. When countries from around the world sent aid, his soldiers stopped it at the border and watched it burn to the ground. This is what can happen when the government owns the healthcare system. And it doesn't just happen in Venezuela. The British government has repeatedly withheld medical care from infants because it thinks it knows better than their parents. Do you remember Charlie Gard? He died in hospice care because a judge ordered that he be taken off life support, even as the United States had offered to take him in. And then there was Alfie Evans, where the UK Supreme court itself ruled that the parents had no right to pursue further treatment for their son, even as Italy had granted the boy citizenship and had a medical transport standing by. This is what happens when medical decisions are taken away from patients and given to the government. Both the UK and Maduro agree. Patients and parents are stupid and can't be trusted to choose what is best for themselves or their children. Instead, cede control to the government. They have your best interests at heart. Can you imagine you got your kid, your baby, who obviously has something very physically wrong with them, and you know that you're, without further intervention, your child is going to die prematurely. Your child is not going to grow up and be an adult. And you know that the chances are slim. But you believe that if your child is given experimental medical assistance, that that child can actually, that you want to take the possibility because why let your child die without trying? You found people who will do the surgery. It's not going to cost your government anything. It's not going to cost you. But the Brits wouldn't let it happen because they knew if they did, it would highlight how horrible their medical care is because they have, dun, 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 single payer. So they'd rather see the baby die than prove that they're wrong about the way they do their health insurance. And Maduro uses it for an even more sinister purpose. That, that's pretty sinister if you, if you get my meaning there. It's really sinister to say, did you vote for me? No. You ain't getting no, you know, you ain't getting no uh, asthma medication. <laughs> you can just go ahead and have an asthma attack and bite it because you didn't vote for me. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being told as a parent you can't take your child out of the hospital because your government said you can't? Their ideas don't work for us. We can't let them bring those here. Let me get back to we'll Dan Kish. Stay right there. Like, I wanted to have the abortion because I was trying to hide a situation. When a young mom in crisis walks into a preborn pregnancy center, she's welcomed with open arms and given love, support, and a free ultrasound to meet her unborn baby. This young woman not only chose life for her baby, but heard the message of Jesus Christ and was comforted from the guilt and pain that plagued her. Preborn centers lead the nation in providing free ultrasounds. When an abortion-minded woman sees her baby on ultrasound, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds, and 100% of your sponsorship goes towards saving babies. To find out more, go to preborn.com that's preborn.com 
or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Here we go again. This time the San Antonio City Council banned Chick-fil-A from serving food at the San Antonio airport. If this sounds familiar, the same thing happened about four years ago at the Denver airport. Taking a stand for traditional marriage can get you banned by progressive council members. That was the issue in Denver. But the ban in San Antonio added another twist. The council members also took issue with the fact that Chick-fil-A gives contributions to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which has a statement of faith based on a biblical perspective about human sexuality. As I explained back in 2015, the Denver City Council backed down because Denver attorneys warned that barring a business on the basis of political prejudice could result in a First Amendment lawsuit they would most likely lose. We'll have to see what happens in the next few weeks in San Antonio. The ironies here are significant. One councilman said, everyone has a place here and everyone should feel welcome when they walk through our airport. But it doesn't seem like Chick-fil-A or other similar businesses are welcome. A representative of the company said this is the first they heard about this when they read the press release from the councilman. The representative reminded him and anyone else that everyone is and should feel welcome at Chick-fil-A. We have a fundamental code of conduct at Chick-fil-A. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They serve more than 140,000 people on a daily basis without regard to race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or gender identity. A bill in the Texas legislature is being debated that would ensure that the government cannot punish religious groups, businesses, counselors, wedding vendors, or others for their sincerely held religious beliefs. That is one remedy to blatant viewpoint discrimination. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. Also find out more at Stacy on the Right on Twitter and Instagram. And um, don't forget to go see the movie Unplanned. We have, I've already been to see it with my husband. We're planning on taking the kids. The movie did blockbuster type action over the weekend in spite of the fact that Twitter shut down the Twitter feed uh, of the, the movie and tons of other really just oppressive, you know, unfair type actions on their social media. They're still doing a fantastic job. And the movie is, it had a great opening weekend. And so I encourage you to go see it. It's hard. It's difficult. But we can do hard and difficult things. We are not snowflakes or pansies or, you know, any of that stuff. We, you, can, you can handle it. Go see it. Unplannedfilm.com to find out more about the movie. Uh, right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Dan Kish. He's the Senior VP of Policy for the American Energy Alliance. Dan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Stacy. Thanks for having me. You know, I so I read the story <laughs> on my email. I was like... I was thinking to myself, is this real? Like, how, how, and so first, tell the listeners what the story is, what's going on with this, these fishermen and the, the, the uh, environmental action they want to take. Right. Well, uh, I think, you know, most folks have at least heard of some of the lawsuits that have been filed. There's been a group of kids that someone has paid for to file lawsuits against uh, oil companies and, energy companies in general, and um, across the country and cities have been filing. I think Baltimore filed, Oakland filed, 
um, San Francisco's filed. Uh, and the whole idea is they're going to sue for billions and billions of dollars uh, uh, because these companies cause climate change. That's their argument. And the courts have been throwing them out, and the latest one was a group of fishermen, and I'm going to put it in quotations because there are some fishermen involved, but it's 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 actually more of an environmental group that calls itself fishermen that's located out in San Francisco. And their argument is that uh, they won't have any fish as a result of global warming, and therefore these companies should pay them billions of dollars, which means you and me and anybody who uses fuel, which is just about all of us, um, are going to have to pay these folks. And it just turns out the same law firm is representing each of the plaintiffs, and uh, they stand to make uh, uh, you know about a third of the money themselves. And uh, it's quite an operation, and it seems, if you're just reading the newspaper, as though it's just kind of innocent. People are out uh, objecting to things. But when you peel it back, you find out these are very... Uh, they're not transparent. Uh, uh, there's a lot more going on that meets the eye, as we so often see in these in these big national issues. Okay, so it just makes you tired thinking about it, Dan. To be honest with you, you know, I know. You're sitting, you know, I mean, you just I, this this is how you feel when, and I'm not trying to throw kids under the bus, but parents will understand this analogy. When maybe you've been out all day long with your kids and they've just gotten everything they could have possibly wanted. You haven't said no all day. And then you get home and they come and start peppering you with a bunch of requests. And it's like outlandish stuff. And you're like, aren't you tired yet? And the kid is just still pounding you. And you're thinking, man, I did something wrong today. I should have said no a couple of times. Only these people, these fishermen, they're not, they're not kids. They're not cute. They're not lovable. They don't deserve you know, a second chance or a third chance. They're grifters. What you're talking about sounds to me like they just said, who can we like lift millions of dollars off of? Oh, the fishing industry. And they don't even have anything to support their assertions because we all know that climate change is just wealth redistribution. They don't even know whether it's global warming or cooling or ice age or we're all going to melt at 1,000 degrees like volcanic temperatures. They don't even know what they think is going to happen to us. 12 years is what AOC says we have left. That's it. Yeah. Well, Stacy, you ever go fishing? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, some days you go out there and the fish are there. Some days they aren't. I guess I could say when they aren't there, it's global warming. You used to say that, you know, it's the <laughs> rain or lack of rain or something like that. But, you know, and there are times when we have good fishing crops and uh, and and and, and uh, other times when they when they aren't running. It's just that's just the nature of the beast. That's part of the fun. Um, that, that's where uh, that's the, the phrase, the fish aren't chicken. biting, comes from. The, it's when people say the fish aren't biting, that, that, no one made that up. That's real. You go out there on a perfect day, and the water is still and calm, and no one's making noise, and you have the best bait, and none of them bite. And then you go out right. another day, and it's raining and drizzling, and there's some construction going on on the side of the river, and you're like, what's happening here? You decide to fish anyway, and they're just biting like crazy, and you catch a whole haul. You don't know what they're going to do, but they're there, oh. and they will eventually bite something. It, it, exactly, and that's that's kind of the nature of the beast. That's where the good Lord uh, made it, and we're just going to have to live with it. And and all of these things are just machinations. Like I say, if it's the same law firm uh, that is associated with these environmental groups that is suing on behalf of each of these organizations, you pretty after a while. I'm not the brightest bulb on the porch. Um, 
but after a while, you kind of come to the conclusion that hey, something's going on here, and it's 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 not just homegrown. This is part of a movement. It's part of community organizing, if you will. It's part of uh, this whole idea that somehow that has led us to, to the sort of crazy things that we've heard about lately about the Green New Deal and doing away with the cows and no more airplanes or cars or uh, or, or anything else. And and that's what's feeding it. And, and you, you know, <laughs> I'm reminded when you were talking about how tired you could be at the end of the day with the kids. You know what they've got that makes us so tired? They get a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And Americans love energy. I mean, we have energy drinks. We drink coffee. We you ever go to the doctor and say, um, gee, doc, I, 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 I've got too much energy. Um, Mm-mm. Uh, <laughs> Never. <laughs> people generally say, I don't have enough. And as Americans, we always want more energy to do things, hopefully to do good things. And, um, you know, the good Lord blessed us with this enormous amount of uh, homegrown energy that we're now seeing come to fruition now that the government's out of the way. We're the number one producer of oil and gas in the world. We invented nuclear. We, uh, we have the largest supplies of coal in the world. We're sitting on top of an energy bonanza, and yet some people don't want us to use it because I guess they fear what will happen um, uh, as a consequence of our, uh, of our being energetic. Well, I think, Dan, the other thing is people are really convinced that the earth is, you know, the entire earth can be saved by Americans and we can change the climate on the entire earth by making some drastic decisions here at home. But it's fun to talk about, isn't it? Haven't, haven't we all been there? You know what I would do? I would blah, 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 blah. And so they get into this, this rut of saying, well, we just need to cut out planes, cut out this, cut out that. But then when, they, when you look at the way they live, I, I flew to Anaheim, California, and we had to catch two planes on the way there, and then we had to catch a couple planes on the way back. And I'm pretty sure I wasn't on a plane full of Republicans on the way there and a plane full of Republicans on the way back. I'm pretty sure that the bigger plane we flew on probably was 50% or more people who are Democrats. They were not on there like forced, gagged, bound, and thrown into the seats and strapped in and forced to fly on the planes. They chose to fly. They bought the tickets. And if I'd said, all of y'all need to drive to California, they'd have said, and who are you? How can you make us do anything we don't want to do? We're going to fly. So the idea that they would have to live under the same things that they're trying to force down our throats is anathema to them. They don't ever plan to live under these these conditions, which means they don't really believe this stuff, which means there's something else that they're up to. And you've pointed it out here. You're highlighting it. These fisher people, they're environmentalists, really, and they're not fixing their boats and stuff. They're not they're not actually walking the walk themselves, so clearly they don't believe in it. They just want money from, uh, you know, people who, who, who have some. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, the, the reporter who uh, penned the story that uh, we're talking about uh, has tried to contact this uh, organization to ask them whether their people have retrofitted their boats to be sailboats. and um, Because fishing takes, you, you know, anytime you're moving a relatively large ship it takes a lot of fuel and and that's uh fossil fuel or organic fuel as i more appropriately refer to it um it's the stuff that god gave us and and uh and again we're blessed to have it and they use enormous amounts in order to uh to to fish to farm um 
all of agriculture of, of every type takes lots of fuel. And as a consequence, um, when he asked them, they simply didn't get back to him. They have not gotten back to him with any of the questions about the affiliations of the law firm or uh, the fact that uh, uh, they all seem to be, it seems like musical chairs. They're head of one group and then head of another group and then go to the law firm and then they go to work for a congressman who wants to sue the companies. And um, it's just the typical sort of Washington morass that we see so often um, in an attempt to try to basically pull the wool over people's eyes. <laughs> and then when, when some of us refuse to have the wool pulled over, when some of us are like, you know how you're trying to wash a baby's face and the baby starts fighting you and they, they're amazing at not getting their faces washed. They will lean their head from one side to the other and then they'll kind of rhythmically move their head. So you literally can't get the face cloth onto their face. And right. finally, after like six or seven minutes of struggling, you figure out a way to wash the baby's face and then they're mad. Their face is clean, but they're mad. That's how the, that's how we are. They're like, let me pull this wool over your eyes. And we start, you know, moving around. We're like, we can see the truth. We're not going to have it. And we can, we're getting angry. We're getting angrier and angrier because they're trying to take money from us. Because that's what this is. It's every part of the environmentalist agenda removes money from people who have it and gives it to people who, like, they literally set it on fire and burn it. They don't do anything good with it. And it, it lessens our economic growth. It just, it just stunts everything near it. And we see that in places where they've, they've already, like, Look at California. Look at the way they used to be. And now look at the, how they are now with the wildfires and everything. And they don't want to accept responsibility for any of what they have wrought on themselves. Well, that's right. I mean, if, if you want to have a clean environment, the best way to do that is to is to build wealth, to, to uh, use resources to benefit people's lives. When people aren't hungry, they don't uh, uh, destroy things. I mean, if you want to see wealth destruction, you look at a place like Venezuela, where mm-hmm. they have some of the largest supplies of oil in the world, but they unfortunately have a, a, a socialist government where people tell boss other people around, tell them what to do, and nothing works, and um, you can't even buy food. And as a consequence, people end up eating the zoo animals. Um, and the same thing happens in countries that are poor that haven't been able to lift their way out. And frankly, we owe an obligation to a lot of parts of the rest of the world where people haven't gone, um, uh, haven't been able to climb out of, of, of abject poverty to make their lives better, and denying them energy is the worst possible thing that we could do. So um, that's what's so kind of perverse about a lot of this talk about energy. We're finally in a position where we are where we wanted to be for five or six decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost wholly independent and um, and doing better all the time, and it's providing lots of jobs, and all of a sudden people want to wreck it. Um, makes no sense. It doesn't. It's, it's almost like they're living in a place where there's a lot of economic prosperity and opportunity, and they're trying to tear it down and turn it to a place like Venezuela. Why would they do that? Isn't that strange? It's weird. I bet you they don't. I bet you they really don't go fishing that much. Oh, you know. But, like, so my granddad <laughs> used to say, "The smartest people fish." Yep. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't really like fishing." He was like, "Well, you will." And he took us fishing. And then my dad, when he heard that my granddad had taken us fishing over the summer when we were back in the states for the summer, 
And my granddad had taken us out on the boat and was fishing. He was like, well, I haven't been taking y'all because you said you don't like fishing, but you went fishing with your granddad. So you're going to go fishing with me. So then we went fishing with him and I never really like enjoyed it, but I went a ton. And my sister, oh my goodness, she was so good at hooking all those disgusting little things onto the, you know, she'd hook the bait and she would hook all the baits up, but we'd have more than one line in, you know, in the water. And then when the fish, when we'd catch them, she would hold it up, get her picture. Then she would immediately take it off the hook, throw it in a bucket. And then later she would be with my dad, you know, they're gutting and cleaning the fish. She'd be over there just with, with gusto going after it. And I just helped. I would, I would help because I could not stand the, like the cutting and the, the cleaning out of the fish. But I loved eating them. So I would, I would proudly stand by and I, I caught those. Those are the ones I caught. And my mom would cook them and I'd, I'd help cook them. But it was, it was, I was definitely there and, and it is, it's actually not easy. Fishing is not easy to do if you want to catch anything. And it is, it's something that you do. If you have patience, you can do it. And also you do have to kind of, you have to be smart enough to do it. Like it's not, it's not something a nincompoop can do. You have to actually have some intelligence to do it. It's just amazing to me that they have, they'll leave no stone unturned. These environmentalists are like, you know what? We're not doing anything to the fishing industry. Let's get on, get on in the, on them and get some of their money. Oh, yeah. And there are people more than willing to jump in who kind of use fishing as a, you know, as a front for political uh, policies. And unfortunately, that's what's happening here. There are many big fishing organizations that I've worked with over the years um, in a previous career, and I, I am quite familiar with them, and they do represent people who commercially fish, and... Uh, um, they don't do these sorts of things. These, unfortunately, are put together. They 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 make it sound like all fishermen are suing uh, energy companies that make the fuel possible for their boats. And when you think that through, it just doesn't make sense. It's 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 just ludicrous. But um, I'm so glad that you're on with us today to explain this. So when when you listeners, when you see this story in the news, now you have the backstory. Now you understand what's going on. And I've just been saying all this whole program today that we have to push back against this stuff. First of all, we get informed, which is what you've done today, and you've helped us a great deal in, in unpacking this. Then you have to basically be willing to say the truth to other people when they say, oh, have you heard what the fishing industry is? Nah, I already know about that. That's not true. And shut it down. Give that person the information. Dan Kish, Senior VP of Policy at the American Energy Alliance. Thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you, Stacy. It was a all pleasure. Right. Good to talk to you. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, so I hear the music. We'll be back with more after this. You got to keep it here, though. Um, we'll be back with more Stacy on the right after these messages. to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, how long does it take to make oil? Chris, oil is the altered remains of organic molecules. These are primarily hydrogen and carbon, and after death they can metamorphose into hydrocarbon oil. It doesn't take long. In fact, there are a number of ways to rapidly convert organic material into oil, but all of them are rather expensive and inefficient. However, if water is injected into the organic material, then the process is much more efficient than quick. This reminds me of the great flood of Noah's day when excessive heat and pressures combined with lots of waters to act on the abundant living things which were destroyed by the flood. Chris, it all fits. 
Even the difficult questions like the origin of oil can best be answered from a back-to-Genesis perspective. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. If your primary identity is in Jesus Christ, then you don't care whether your family likes it, you don't care whether black folks like it or white folks like it or Democrats like it or Republicans like it or independents like it. It's Jesus. You don't care who likes it. You're going to line yourself up with the word of God and what Jesus Christ requires of you. Urban Family Talk with Bishop E.W. Jackson and The Awakening, weekday mornings at 9 central. It's about Jesus. Jesus. This is Poll Paris with Fox News Director of Polling, Dana Blandon. For up to 20, there are at least 20 announced and potential Democratic candidates running for president. Sounds like a March Madness bracket, right? If it were, the number one seeds would be Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Among Democratic primary voters, our Fox News poll finds Biden is the top choice at 31 percent. Sanders gets 23 percent. Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke receive 8 percent apiece. Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren each garner 4 percent. The remaining candidates are the political equivalent of a 16th seed, 2% or less. How are Democrats deciding? 51% say they're more likely to support a candidate they think can beat President Trump. About a third prioritize voting for a candidate they like, regardless of electability. So far, 11% of Democrats are unsure of their picks. That makes sense. The roster isn't set yet. And the first game, aka voting, is still 10 months away. So stay tuned. I'm Dana Blanton, and that's your poll pre. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We are often pressured to keep our mouths shut about anything. We, as as you know, party loyalists, as um, party stalwarts, as um, our foot soldiers for the party, we are expected to uh, quote unquote keep our dirty laundry um, mm-hmm. to ourselves, and it's always in service to the party. And and in this case. There are so many more incredible candidates that are just as likely and and I believe are competent and amazing and can beat Donald Trump. And so I did feel like a little I felt a little less pressure in terms of feeling like I could speak out because we have options. We have options. And I don't feel pressured to to stay quiet and just take one for the team the way in which we're always asked to do and never speak out about the things that we believe are wrong. Wow. So that's Lucy Flores. She's a Democrat. She's she's not coming over to our side. She's not. This isn't about her not believing in progressive policies or ideals. It's about her basically saying. Women on the Democratic side aren't allowed to complain. You're not allowed to say he touched me. He did this. He did that. It was inappropriate. This or that, because they're all about getting power. Isn't it amazing to hear her say that from the her, from her perch in politics where she served at the state level she ran at the state level she expected to become the lieutenant governor i believe it was of her state 
And this happened to her and she never said a word about how uncomfortable it made her feel because she knew she wouldn't be listened to. And, and right now you've got Bernie Sanders. He said only if there's only one allegation, it's not really disqualifying for him. Now, one allegation is disqualifying for a Republican. But if you're a Democrat, well, one allegation really isn't enough. Now, who here thinks one allegation is all we're dealing with with Joe Biden? I want to give a caveat here before I go any further. I'm not of the belief that Joe Biden is the same type of sexual predator that Bill Clinton was. No one has accused Joe Biden of raping them or going any further than what you've seen in public, which is him just being really handsy and condescending and uh, touchy-feely with women. It's inappropriate. I don't, ex- I don't excuse it at all. But I also wonder where these women's husbands were. And I get it. He was the vice president. He was a senator at, you know, at the time. He was a man of power. But how long does a man have to have his hands on your daughter's shoulder and be standing right behind her before you as the father step in and say, hey, you know, let, let, me, let me go ahead and stand behind her. That, you know, let me help my daughter out. There's so, it's, it's like a never-ending stream. Every time I turn, on, like, turn to Twitter on my desktop here, if you go anywhere where people are tweeting about Joe Biden, they're just live video of him grabbing women by their chin, you know, leaning in, kissing people on the lips where their husband is like, literally the husband is shoulder to shoulder with the wife and Joe Biden kisses the wife on the lips. We're not talking about pictures where people are standing close to each other and it's a picture. We're talking about live video of him inappropriately. He says he appreciates women and he comforts them and he's he's always trying to find ways to show his affection towards them. So whether it's coming from a place of malice or not, the effect is still the same on the people who were, you know, the recipients of the good feelings, if you will. And it's a problem for him now because poll numbers are not important to the Democrats. They don't they don't sit up in the war room and say, hmm, Joe Biden's polling ahead. Perhaps we should circle the wagons around him. No, they're like, you know what? He's he's too moderate. And he's a hardcore progressive, by the way. The Democrats have literally allowed their party to drift so far to the left that a hardcore progressive like Joe Biden is now problematic for them. And they don't want him also because of the other thing. And you know what it is. I'm going to have to say it, too. I hope I hope no one is going to get offended. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. You've been prepared. He's an old white guy. Now, you, you guys know I have, I have no problem with old anything. I don't have that problem. If you're the most qualified tool for the job, I want you in that job. That, that's it for me. You don't have to be a woman. You don't have to be black. You don't have to be hopey and changey. If you're the best tool for the job, I'm like, get, get in there. I want to vote for the person who holds the same ideals that I hold from the Christian worldview. And if you're the best one for it, then, and, and you're a man and you happen to be permanently untanned, then go ahead on and get in there. You know what I'm saying? Just, just get in there. That's who we're voting for. If you happen to be black and you're the best person for the job, then of course, you know, get in there. It's not respecter of persons, not at all. Unless you happen to be well-qualified, but also pro-abortion or well-qualified, but you don't believe in religious liberty, well-qualified, you're against the Constitution, well-qualified, but you think that Christian beliefs are outdated and bigoted and yada, 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 we're done. You're not the best tool for the job. You're not the most qualified because you hold beliefs that are antithetical to me practicing my faith as an American. 
that's, that's, that's where it's supposed to be anyway. So it's just fascinating to hear this woman, after all these years, after Me Too, after Time's Up, she comes out and says, you can't actually report anything to the Democrats because all they care about is supporting whoever's going to win. Wow. Imagine the news people, their heads would be spinning like tops if someone who was a Republican made that kind of a statement about elected Republicans. Just imagine. Oh, they'd be gleefully lapping that up. They wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to understand the words that were coming out of their mouths. They'd be salivating so hard. So then you've got the CNN contributor. So I'm going to call out a couple things before you listen to this. First of all, listen to the way she's talking. Listen to the way this woman is talking. (laughs) She's a CNN contributor. And she says Joe Biden should quit while he's ahead. It's not his time. Now, not his time is code for your time is over. He's had his moment in the sun because he was Barack Obama's best friend. So anything beyond that, and the Democrats are like, this, we're, we're, not, we're not for you, we're for Kamala Harris. We want another diverse candidate. We want to be able to gin up the Republicans as racists. We want to be able to say they're misogynists and bigots. We need a woman. She needs to be of color, and she needs to be a hardcore progressive who would smash you like a, a, a bug if you say anything against abortion. And that they found that person in Kamala Harris. Never mind that moderates and Republicans don't really love her. And her voice, when she's questioning all those clips of her on the Senate, uh, I think Senate Judiciary Panel. What, yeah, Senate Judiciary Panel, where she's questioning witnesses, people who are about to be appointed to something, or, or her questioning of Judge Kavanaugh, that voice she uses. Imagine having that voice for four years. I can't, people. I just can't. There has to be a limit to what we're made to put up with, right? I guess maybe not. But that's the way I feel. There has to be a limit, and she is the limit. She's over the limit. She cannot be the president. So here is this the CNN contributor. Just check out how she's talking and wagging her little teeth here in this clip. It's number five. No one is making a criminal allegation, but the context of it, to my mind, is that the Democratic Party is animated right now by women. And the context is Joe Biden's career of paternalistic attitudes and policies towards women in the guise of protecting them that he has even now into his 70s not interrogated. Now, there may be people who are thrilled to have Joe Biden be affectionate towards them. That's great. But making the assumption that somebody who is a political colleague of yours wants your hands on them means that you have not thought about how the other person feels about this. And saying things like, oh, Anita Hill, I wish I could have done something when you were the chairman of the committee speaking about women seeking abortions as if you're their father and you want them to not be scared and abortion is always wrong um, you're trafficking in racial backlash policies to me if I were close to Joe Biden and I think he has a long career of public service to be proud of but if I were close to him I would say Joe quit while you're ahead it's not your time so you need to know that uh, some emails flew around And she didn't come up with that phrase there at the end on her own. She is a mouthpiece for Democrats in power. And when they don't want you to run for something and they send a CNN contributor, someone paid by CNN, it means she does multiple hits a day. If at minimum, she does multiple hits a week. She has a dependable schedule on CNN. She comes on and says he's uh, trafficking in racially insensitive like, what, what was that word salad she came up with? She didn't support any of that with any documentation. She didn't say, when he said blah, 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 that was racially blah. No, she doesn't have to. 
She's not there to provide documentation or receipts of anything that he's done. She's there to give him a message straight on CNN. She not only gives it to him, she gives it to whoever's watching the show, whoever's listening to it, anybody who takes the clip and turns it into audio for their own show and people who hear that. What she's doing is she's setting the table. She's letting him know this is the table as it's set. There's no place for you here. So if you show up to this party, you're not going to have a place to sit down. And not having a place to sit down at the presidential race means they're going to use the superdelegates that they've kept in their back pocket. Yeah, they eliminated the original system, but they still have some superdelegates to rig the election if they need to. Those are going to be rigged against Joe Biden. She's telling him the fundraising is not going to be there for you. You can raise money. You, of course you can. You were the vice president of the United States. When it comes to the DNC dollars and the network of you know, funneling money to you and the, the bundlers and all that, you won't have access to that because as you look at this table here, Joe, there's no place setting for you. Then see the name tags? Your name's not on the name tags. So we have to let Bernie Sanders sit here because of what happened last time, but he's not going to win either, not if they have anything to do with it. They want Kamala Harris. And so, you know, expect the pennies to start dropping. Expect more people to start coming forward and talking about how he's just, he's not the right guy. He did this. He sniffed my hair. He kissed me on the cheek. They'll have video evidence. They're going to try to convince him not to run. Because he will suck the wind out of a lot of those other campaigns. Like Elizabeth Warren, she's down at 4%. You heard the poll Paris there right before we came back from the break. She's pulling down at 4%. But what they want to do is they want Joe Biden not to announce he's running. If he doesn't announce, watch how the dominoes fall. The 30% of voters who want Joe Biden will have to find someplace else to put their support. If you're for Joe Biden, you're more than likely not going to shift your support to Bernie Sanders because you're someone who's a little more mainstream. So then you'll have Kamala Harris begin to make some very mainstream statements. She'll stop talking about smoking marijuana. She'll stop trying to sound down for the cause for a whole bunch of things that moderate, normal adults don't like not cool. She'll begin to sound very academic and very serious. She'll begin to talk about things like she's a moderate. She'll begin to embrace the kinds of mainstream ideas that Barack Obama embraced as he was running for the presidency. Now, remember, he wasn't mainstream or moderate at all. He just pretended to be until he got reelected and then he evolved on marriage. Then he reinforced his previous statements on abortion, above my pay grade, yada, yada, yada. He is an example of what we will see from Kamala Harris. And why is that? It's not just because we know how the game is played. Kamala Harris is handpicked and chosen by the Obamas. Both of them support her. Michelle will mobilize her now. It's like a legion of people who bought that book and paid some of them $1,200 for a ticket to get in a stadium and listen to her talk about the book and, you know, kind of do the Shaquille O'Neal shimmy with her shoulders, wear a yellow outfit, kind of walk around stage slow, say a few cool things, criticize President Trump, criticize Melania Trump. They ate it up. They just loved it. They paid for those tickets and they were like, yes, yes, queen. And she just took their money and did, you know, did the little routine. And now she's off counting her dollars and everybody else. You just have a book and you had an experience. Nothing to help you change your life. Nothing life changing like the name of Jesus. Nothing where you could actually take it with you. And a month from now you can say, wow, I'm different. Wow. I, <laughs> she showed me how to look at the scriptures in a way that made me 
really understand God is for me. God has something for me. Uh Uh-uh. No, you're not going to get anything like that from Michelle Obama. You're going to get that she's wearing the latest outfit that you can afford a part of the outfit. You couldn't afford the belt on that outfit, but you shelled out $600 to go sit with her. That's what the tickets were going for, $600, $1,200. You know, the scalpers had a field day to get in a stadium where she literally is a yellow dot on the stage. You're so far away. And you get to hear her through the microphone, of course. And, and that's what concerts and these, you know, experiences are. Uh, you know, let's, let's not play like this is something she's the only one who's done. But it's just fascinating. She's parlayed her first ladyhood into this enormously successful book that you hadn't learned jackola about improving yourself or your life or, or fixing your heart for eternity. None of that. Just a bunch of hero worship for Michelle Obama. And now you're plugged in and set up because you've given your email address and all that for her to bombard you with all of the reasons why Kamala Harris should be the next president. And you're such a dunderhead. You already bought into her garbage. You you ate up all the, the, the crapola she was putting down. Now you're going to do the same thing for Kamala Harris. No, and good and well, Kamala Harris, she's not going to smoke weed with you. She's never going to meet you. She's never going to know you. You're never going to be anything to her. Just like you're never going to be anything to Michelle Obama except somebody who was you know, silly enough to shell out 30 bucks for the book, whatever it was, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. And you're a part of this army of people who likes to tweet about how you spent an afternoon with Michelle. And let's not play. I did that. I tweeted out that I spent an afternoon with Tucker Carlson when he came to town, but I am not deluded enough to think that he and I are friends just because that happened. And if Tucker Carlson were to ever say anything that went against my core biblical beliefs, I'd drop him like a hot rock. I'd never mention that I ever met him again because I don't worship him the way some of these people are worshiping Michelle Obama after they got done worshiping her husband when he was the president. Give your worship to the one who made it all or you're going to get what you're asking for. Hands off. I don't want to be you at that point. All right. Have a fantastic evening. God bless you from the heartland. We'll have more Stacey on the right right here on AFR and Urban Family Talk tomorrow. Until then.